What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, April 2nd, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the capitalist pig, Stephen Brown. They didn't think you were real. They thought you were an AI in your wrong, just constantly correcting us. But here you are, Stephen. Yes, here I am. Uh, and I understand that. I don't interact with the community all that much, unfortunately. It's just I I literally do the you're wrong while I'm working on other things. And it's just like a quick, oh, no, nope, screw that up. Type it in, fire it off, and go back to what, what I'm doing. What else are you working on? How are you that good at your wronging? It's because I, and this is where I'm going, I'm seamlessly self-promote out the gate. Do it, please. Uh, I am the world's least successful games commentator and the world's least successful Twitch affiliate. There we go. That's so, <laughs> just what you want to hear. I, I have my own podcast. It streams Monday nights at 8 p.m. at Twitch TV slash Game Points, which is what I'm in the chat as. So people don't see Capitalist Pig and then uh, they see Game Points. Uh, and that is how come I tend to know a lot of these stories because I've usually read them before you do online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're on there Monday night doing all the things I'm going to do Tuesday morning. Exactly. Got you. Very, very, very interesting. Okay. How long have you been at this? Because that was the thing. Obviously, I've known you for years, Stephen, and I didn't for a long yes. time put together that you were Capitalist Pig because it was that you're always the story I tell, right? For what was it? Podcast me on 200, 300? It was beyond 200. 200. You were the only person who like responded to like IGN's call out of if anybody wants to like talk to Greg about this, you booked an interview with me and you yep. made me cry right before yep. Beyond 200. And I, I do have the audio of that still. Oh, I great. Thought okay. about, I thought about bringing it on a hard drive for you, but <laughs> I didn't. You're welcome to play it on your show. Don't worry about it. That can be next Monday's episode, so, yes, the time yeah, I made Greg Miller cry. Or orbited each other for, geez, like seven years almost, I think, because I want to say that was 2012. Yeah. Uh, 2012? Something, yeah, that makes sense. That checks It's been there. a while. Yeah, no, that was. It was right before I had cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, do you mind if I take a quick tangent about the first time I met you relating to that? Just Go for real it, quick. please. So, a couple days before that interview, I was walking down to the IGN building for a first Friday. Okay. And I think it was a first Friday. It was for some reason. And I saw you coming out. It was the first time I ever met you. And I was like, oh, hey, Greg, how you doing? Yeah. And you kind of walked past like, no, no, no. I was like, oh, what an asshole. You really don't need to meet your heroes, do you? And then, like, the next day, you announced that you had cancer. And I was like, oh, God damn it. It was a rough time for me. Sorry, coming out yeah, of the I, street. I felt bad because for, like, 24 hours straight, I was like, that son of a he bitch. He always talks about being so nice to people yeah. and being their uh, best uh, friend. So that just goes to show, by the way. Never assume that you know what someone's thinking on their sure, head or anything sure. like that, because yeah, they could have just had the worst day of their life. Yeah, those were some and rough days, I'm for sure. sure that was definitely one of them on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I hope I've made up for it since then. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good, absolutely. okay, good. And that's the thing, is like, you know, I think it was what... Uh, not this year's indie mix at GDC. Last year's two years ago. When or it must have been last year, I guess, because uh, Game Zilly isn't that old, right? Where you were like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Oh, hey, dude, good to see you." Yeah, like, it, I'm capitalist pig, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it, the, the like dawned and everything like that on there. So back to the original question of how long I've been doing this. Yeah, a while back, back uh, four four years ago or so, I had the idea. I was like, you know what? I don't see anyone doing any kind of Twitch game show or anything like that. I'm going to go on and I'm going to do my own like news podcast once a week or so. Yeah. Took me a month and a half to get like the cheesy ass setup I even have right now. It, yeah, it yeah. is like as lackluster as humanly possible. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do this. And literally the week my premiere show went live is the same guy all of you, same day all of you guys went, oh, we're going to do one. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you, capitalist man. And I literally went, well, that idea just went straight to hell, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, it all came full circle. You're here now. Yeah, exactly. And you're ready to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Glad to be here. Talk about some stuff on 
Well, I'll let you get to it. Exactly. What are we talking about today, ladies and gentlemen? Funny you ask. Guess what, everybody? Guess what, Barrett? What is what? Persona 5S? There's a teaser site up, and we're about to talk about it's it. It's not a Persona 5 Switch for It might be! Cyberpunk 2077 is I got only got one kind of game over screen, and Assassin's Creed 3 is being pulled from PC stores. We'll talk about all that now, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show. Go to Patreon slash kind of funny games there you can submit your questions your bad PSN names and everything else under the video game sun then tune in live watch us record the show on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games if you're watching live you have a special job go to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around the globe and if, boy, are people going to be just on top of that one dude, today of anything Kabobs else. Dude, is going to try to nail you oh, on yeah, every little thing you say. He's going to nail my ass to the wall. Nanobiologist is already lining up. It's going to be horrible. They all, they're, they're all taking their <laughs> practice swings in the on-deck circle. I do want it noted for audio listeners that Portillo is back again today, and I have wronged him. As you can see that he has clearly gone to Steven's side and will not hang out with me anymore. I think this is because he saw me pack the suitcase today, and he was not <laughs> a fan of seeing that suitcase come out again. Uh, housekeeping for you. Saturday, guess what, New York? You're on the clock. It's your time to shine in the Kind of Funny World Tour. We will be in New York City 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Ease Bar, Morningside Heights. Come out, see us. Can you bring more people than Kansas City did to their Kansas City meet and greet? We will find out. And then remember, Vancouver, we're coming for you May the 4th. Uh, Get ready for that. Be with you. Exactly. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Tom Bach, Blackjack, James Davis, Mohammed Mohammed. And then today we're brought to you by 23andMe and Skillshare, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. Four items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. He had you a guess in there, didn't he, Barry? Because he did yeah, the dudes, I didn't know if he, he wanted did the to do dudes it or to you. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, out of the, this ain't my first rodeo. Right out well. the gate, the nanobiologist in Yorong says, "I don't want to ding you, capitalist. I respect you, and you inspire me to jump right in, calling Greg out." Yeah, I mean, if you want to just hammer the hell out of him and not me, go for it. Go the hell I'm saying, you know what I mean? Number one, what the fuck is Persona 5S? This is from Sal Romano at Gamatsu. Atlas has launched a new teaser website at p5s.jp, teasing, quote, one more information, end quote, for release on April 25th. The source code of the website features the following hidden calling card. Calling card, April 25, 2019. We will show you a new phantom thieves that will turn the world's cognition on its head. We are energized, uh, energized by voices that seek satisfaction. Once again, we will take your heart at the Ryogoku Koku Gikan from the Phantom Thieves. Back to Sal. Uh, April 25th is the second day of the Persona Super Live P Sound Street 2019. Welcome to the Number Q Theater concert at that very long, that thing I screwed up in Tokyo. <laughs> After an initial tease in December 2018, Atlas officially announced Persona 5 The Royal for PlayStation 4 in March via a 30-second commercial. More information on that will be announced on April 24th, the first day of the concert. Barrett. Are you prepared to eat your words? Here it comes, a Persona 5 for the Switch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, Greg was right, and it's happening. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Fuck you, Barrett. It's not happening, dude. Why would you? Wait, it says S Why in the title. Why would it be called S? P5S. Persona 5 Stadium. It's a Persona 5 fighting game. It's going to come to all consoles. 
and that'll be like this. Oh, Joker's on the Switch, so that's why he can be. In but Smash. that's dumb. I don't want that. I want that's Persona what Five on Atlas the Switch. Will do though. But what if they just I mean, they put the S on there and they put some new characters in and it's not the same and whatever fucking sold their soul to PlayStation deal they get out of and then we get to play it on the go. <laughs> I mean, it could be Persona Five Snap. Oh, okay, I would be totally one thousand percent down for that if I'm just taking like photos. Go around with a giant yeah, Joker. Camera. Joey's into that. Joey's super. Joey, into get that. on the shock mic. Are you? Will you allow yourself to believe? Unlike Barrett, Barrett, turn up the shock mic. Will you allow anyone to believe? Uh, I'm very hesitant, but even I don't. If it's just something more Persona Five, anything, I'm kind of into it. Yes, but what about getting a switch where he could go anywhere with us? That would be really. That's great. what. I, that's I what have, kills it. I know. There's it's, a lot of things I want to play. Though. It's going to be a fighting game. Can we not have lame. more fighting games? I've had enough of the Persona fighting games. It's the uh, it's like the the cycle, right? Of uh, Persona 4 and then Persona uh, Persona 4 Golden and then they had the dance game and then the fighting game. Listen, I know you guys are right, but I just want to believe. This is very much like the Superman <laughs> game, all right? Can we just believe for a split second? Why does everybody got to be realist all the time? Because I can't let my hopes up and be crushed again like I have been so many times in my life. I'd rather just be excited and surprised if it is that. If it makes yeah. you feel better, I definitely feel like it's the Switch. You do? Yeah, I absolutely feel like it's the Switch. Why is I, that? I think it's Just because you want to help me? You want to humor me? I mean, <laughs> that's part of it. Uh, I think it's almost a no-brainer at this point. You don't put Joker and Super Smash Brothers without actually bringing at least something else to the Switch. Yeah. yeah at that point, you have the licensing deals and at least the groundwork for him set up. It makes perfect sense to have it on the Switch. It's a it's a JRPG for God's sake. That's perfect for traveling. Well, that's why yeah, that that's why there. Persona 4 Golden was so perfect for the Vita. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what I'm a little bit more concerned about is that it's P5S, and if that is for the Switch, that means Persona 5 Royale, which I am going on the assumption that is for their version of Golden. Uh, well, you lost me. So, oh, so, okay. you're, so you're saying if it so P5S. Okay, so new P5S uh-huh. is what we're assuming to be Switch. Yeah. P5 then, Royale yes. is what I'm thinking is going to be Golden. It makes me wonder if part of the agreement they might have is that they can only bring in the original version of Persona 5 to the Switch, but not the Royale version, which would have the extra content. And once again, this is all just speculation. Don't quote me or anything like that on there. Uh, that, that makes me think mm-hmm. that we might not get the complete version on the Switch. Yeah. That's yeah. fair, but also Persona 5 just as its own. Is worth playing. So no, I absolutely 100%. agree. One hundred percent. I wish you could come with me on places. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just wish I could bring it with me. I wish. Uh, I wish you could come with me on places. Uh, with uh, you know, just playing Persona Five on PlayStation Four and beating it. You know. Yeah, it's just like it's like it's rare that I drag the PlayStation Four with me. Granted, I'm doing with the division every time. It's yeah, in my backpack are. right now, just in case the hotel I'm going to tonight has great Wi-Fi. Mm, I will it. Probably not. I use a little app, you know, where they're like, you can ask us any questions. Like, hey, do you have, like, Ethernet drops in the room? They're like, we don't. And then I was like, is the Wi-Fi good? And they were like, <laughs> we assure you it's okay. And I was like, well, <laughs> that doesn't really answer my question if it can run Division, you know? Hashtag whatever it takes. I guess, man. It, Barrett, let's just have a real conversation. Am I going to have to go back and just play this on PlayStation 4? Do I need to give up hope of it ever coming to Switch? I think let's wait. Let's wait it out. Let's wait the month. See what's up. But I, I feel like if there is... Because the, the P5R uh, was definitely never going to be a Nintendo thing because the first trailer or whatever that came out around... Had a PlayStation logo on Had a PlayStation logo. This, however, doesn't have any kind of imagery for yeah. any... like. You're right, though, about like yeah. it, I, a fighting game would make sense, right? They've already done the dancing games. Yep. So then we got to get ready for fighting games and stuff, yep, too. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm just saying, keep your expectations low, but let's wait it out. Let's see. And if there is nothing confirmed for Switch by the end of the month, I'd say just go back. Go back to PlayStation 4, buddy boy. I mean, well, by the end of the month, I'll have days gone, so that's also troublesome, you know? 
Gotta get the, gotta get them freakers. I did play 30 hours of it, Joey. Play it's 70 fantastic, more hours. and I love it. All right, it was a great game for 30 hours. It doesn't have the hook of a Division Two. All right, that's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't have the hook of a Division Two. You know what I'm talking about, Barrett? You you love the Division Two. I love the Division Two, but you know what? I've only put 24 hours into that game. I put 110 hours into Persona. 5. I'm over three days into the Division Two of playtime, right? And it ain't stopping anytime soon. I haven't played in a week and a half. Why don't you play with me? Because you were gone, and then you were, and then you were like, "Oh, I need to do the strongholds and grind up and all that stuff." So you were like too important big guy for me. So I am an important big guy. That is true. Yep. Let me tell you, At when we when we kick this Persona Five Beehive, woof, that got your wrong riled up. Woof, <laughs> 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 got a lot of people in there, just all over the place. A lot of people, uh, nanobiologists calling out. Capitalist Pig said Persona 5 Royale, but it's actually Persona 5 The Royal. Oh. All right, so listen. Oh. Even on my most... Look at this! We never have to listen to this guy of days. Would I never be that pedantic in my response there, nanobiologist? It's but true. thank you. You're it's technically true. right. Technically correct, which as we know is the best kind of correct. I want to call out to, uh, while I'm looking at your wrong, I'm going to delete all the other Persona 5 ones because they're mainly just jokes now at this point and people are saying stuff. Uh, somebody does call out, hey, what? A, they're not going to talk about the huge story from Jason Schreier. That's required reading, which we will talk about at the end. You guys have questions about and we have opinions about, but it's not really breaking news as much as it is, as usual, amazing uh, journalism from Jason Schreier. But that's coming. Don't worry. In terms of number two news story, Cyberpunk 2077 only has a game over if you die. You can't fail a mission. This is Matt Perslow over at IGN. The only game over screen you'll see in Cyberpunk 2077 is when you die. No matter how badly you mess up a mission's objective, there will always be a way to continue playing without having to reload from a checkpoint, provided you don't die. According to CD Projekt Red's Quest designer, Philip Weber, who recently spoke with German website GameStar, the development team approached mission design with an overarching question. Quote, what is the stupidest thing that the player could do? End quote. With this philosophy in mind, quests have been designed to allow all kinds of player behavior, ensuring that the game never fails players for engaging in unconventional activities. For example, Weber suggests that while protecting an important client, there is nothing stopping you from calling in at a restaurant for a burger. If the client dies while you're getting your fill of food, then the game continues on. Just because you failed the job doesn't mean you failed the game. Thoughts? Uh, cool, but not necessarily the first time it's ever been done before in a video game. No. Uh, the first example that pop on top of my head is Darkest Dungeon, for example. Mm-hmm. You just keep wipe, wiping your party out over and over again and send more people in there. Unless, of course, you're playing on the hardest difficulty, Stygian, I believe. This isn't necessarily new, but I am totally fine. I love the idea, actually, when it comes to RPGs of, yeah, you could choose just to dick off for a little while, and then plot moves without you, regardless. Sure. And you have to deal with the con- the, the uh, consequences of that. For me, this is awesome. And I love yeah. it. It's by far not the first game to do it in any stretch of the imagination. But what I love about it is, th- think theoretically, not knowing, but assuming what Cyberpunk's going to be, I'd imagine it's one of the biggest with the most variables to do something like this in the way that role playing for me has always been. I've never understood people who go back and do uh, rewind and try to redo things and get different decisions and do all sorts of stuff. Oh, I didn't like who died at Mass Effect, so I'm going to rewind and go back and do that, right? Right. Uh, for me, a role-playing game, a good one, is I'm 
living that story and whatever I do and that leads, to, you know, if I make choice A and that leads to result C at the very end or moments later, I'm always like, well, that's what I did, right? I made that choice and that defined me. And that's the whole point with, you know, the time choices that'll pop up in a game where you're, ah, what do I do? What do I do? You pick one. I should pick the other one. It's like, well, you didn't like you're in that moment and you, as that character shot off at the mouth when you shouldn't have, or, you know, you kept quiet when you should have said something like I like rolling with those consequences. Right. And all this sounds good in theory, yeah. but this isn't the first game to say we're going to do something similar to this. Once mm-hmm. again, you look at the Mass Effect trilogy, look at all the Telltale games, especially with The Walking Dead. All roads will eventually, in those games, all roads lead to, if not one destination, one of three sure. conveniently color-coded choices for It's you. like I was talking about the coloring book page, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You're, we all have our own page, but we're shading it different colors, which makes it our own. But in the end, there is a story we're being told. So the question is, is CD Projekt Red really going to be the first big major game that lets you get away with doing that kind of decision-making to where it really does affect the ending, Towards like, if I just sit back and snarf cheeseburgers all day is the world going to come into like this crashing horrible end where mm-hmm. the giant big corporation buys up all the uh, i don't know microchips that keeps yeah, people yeah. from regulating their breathing or whatever cyberpunk happens to have in there sure we're not writing it for a reason yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey there's a corporation they're gonna buy all the chips oh fuck that's a great game here's a million dollars yeah exactly the the thing about it, I think, is for me, it's a cool idea, and I like the idea of it all playing out however it plays out. Mm-hmm. It does make me wonder a bit about how much do these, I'm assuming side missions, right? They're talking about, you know, you're in protecting somebody. How much do they really impact the overall story, right? Right. If the story is that I'm just doing random jobs to get money, to get XP, to grind out, to do this, to get to the next big story beat, you assume the way around this, based on what they're saying, is the story beats would then be tied to the fail state situations of even if I'm protecting you in the main mission and something kills you, that kills me too, right? And the problem is when you start doing that many varied ways to get to the actual point of the game, as it were, Mm -hmm. how impactful are these choices really going to end up being? If you have 15 different ways that you can take one mission and go out from there, eventually they have to tie it all back into one point, which begs the question, how important really was what you were doing in the grand scope of things. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that games have always seemed to have struggled with, even on your bigger things. Like I keep going back to Mass Effect. It sure. seems to be the preeminent example of what we're talking about here. Well, that was a great example, I think, before people knew obviously what it was, but then also really before even Bioware maybe brought, brought it to home and stressed to what it was going to be, right? Where right. it was pitched as, it's going to be three games, it's going to be this thing nobody's ever done, and all your choices are going to matter and lead to different outcomes, when in reality, yeah, they led to one of three mm-hmm. endings, which is fine if they would have said that, right? Of like, we're telling you a story, yeah, exactly. and we're getting you to a very specific endpoint that will have a few variations based on what you did. Which ultimately brings up something that I want to bring up. Uh, brings up, anyways. <laughs> We need to temper hype, and this is one of those things that makes it sound like hype could get out of control when we're going, oh my god, sure. they won't let you do everything you want to. It's like, eh, we've seen this song and dance a couple times before. Just temper your expectations a little bit. You might, sure, be able to just fail a couple side quests by eating said cheeseburger, but don't go around thinking that it's going to dramatically affect the overall game world by the end. Sure, my hope would be like, right, from what they're talking about, because even outside of the fail states, they're talking about different and unconventional ways to do missions, right? So it is, you know, a mission that my that you're going to play through and go guns blazing. I'm going to stealth through. You're going to do this. I'm going to do that. You start, again, to weave that narrative for yourself of what you're role-playing as, and it does come down to that thing of, we're on a mission, and there's a guy that's a dick, and you want to just make sure he gets there. I'm 
like, all right, fuck you. And I let him just go get killed. Right. And like, again, that to me builds my character in a way that your character will be completely different. Yes. And I'm totally for that. I'm totally for letting you kind of flavor your character a little bit. My main concern is when you start making these lofty claims of like, oh, no game over. You could do whatever you want to and the game will adapt to your circumstance. Like, "Eh, okay, cool. I hope that's true. We've seen the song dance before a little bit, though, so let's just make sure we don't go over the moon overhearing that, thinking that I'll be able to start up my own, like, cannabis farm and start selling black market organs on the side somewhere, and that could be my entire experience with the game. I'm happy to announce, ladies and gentlemen, that last week I went to a PlayStation VR event. This is going to sound like I'm not going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Uh, and I got to demo uh, No Man's Sky Beyond in PlayStation VR. I'll talk about it on Gamescast. Yep. It was a fantastic experience. I was ge- I'm sorry, what was that, Barrett? Yep. Why would you say yeah. Yep. Yeah. Weird. Weird thing. Uh-huh. Uh, got a demo from one Sean Murray who told me they're not there yet, but they are working towards one day, maybe possibly not really probably maybe having where I can play that game and just be a mariachi player. As I said in my infamous video, if you remember from one of the kind of funny doodles that Kotaku continues to use every time No Man's Sky comes up because I mentioned Kotaku in it. And so if I can ever do that, sell my spaceship, sell all my space rocks, just sit there on planet Toyfoid or whatever Barrett's named it. And I just get to sit there and play mariachi and earn in currency. I'm about it, right? And that's yeah, what I we're talking about. It. That's the kind of future we're building to. But it wasn't built in a day, obviously. You yeah, look at no and I, I don't think we're there yet either. Yeah, personally. But I, here's the one thing about it, back to reality with this conversation, is that I think CD Projekt Red is one of the few developers that says something like that. Oh. And I go, oh my God, that sounds if, fascinating. If anyone could pull it off, I, I definitely would say them. Yeah. But I still do think they're going to have a main narrative like you're talking about right. that does have, hey, we're telling you a story of... Your character and this antagonist, and how does that all end up in the very, very end? I think they have to come to a finish, right? There, there, there has to be, right? Yeah. Right. Unless the game literally just hangs and everything in the... And even then, you start breaking the immersion. Everything in the world's waiting for you to do something beyond selling hot dogs in the park. Yeah. Was that everything? Yep. Beyond, okay. Beyond. Uh, one more CD Projekt Red story that I thought was either... Yeah, I, think it, I think this is done on purpose. But it might have been uh, just f- fate working out. Yesterday, I got my Christmas card from them. And when <laughs> okay. you open it up, it said, you know, like, it was something like, you know, basically what they've been saying about the, like, it's done when it's done kind of thing. And at first, I thought it was a mistake that I got caught in the postage. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, no, they're making a joke of release dates don't matter. Hey, we're, we're putting out our holidays cards in April because that's clever. Hey, it's, we'll be done when we're done. The holidays come whenever we say they come. Yeah, no, that, that's, that that's cute. cute. That's, that's clever. Uh, number three, the original Assassin's Creed three has been pulled from PC stores. This is from Oscar Deus over at GameSpot, and it kind of ties in to our conversation yesterday about delisting. Uh, following the launch of Assassin's Creed three remastered last month, it appears publisher Ubisoft has delisted the original game from PC retailers such as Steam and UPlay. The game's Steam page is still visible, but states, "quote At the request of the publisher, Assassin's Creed three is no longer available for for sale on Steam." End quote. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered is, of course, available for purchase for $40, but unlike the original version, this this does not include the game's multiplayer portion. GameSpot has reached out to Ubisoft to confirm why the original version was removed. It should be noted that that deed listing does not prevent existing owners of Assassin's Creed 3 from downloading or playing the game. It merely prevents anyone else from purchasing it. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, meanwhile, is included for, for the season pass for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You don't own your games. How do you feel about that? And you do own it. They're saying right there you still own it. You just can't keep buying it. 
Uh, we'll, we'll see in a couple years on that. As I can't as, go out and buy real Ghostbuster toys in Toys R Us anymore. This might be a little bit of a decisive comment, but at the end of the day, uh, beyond the few rare occasions, like, I mean, everyone likes to go to PT for it, but mm. that very much is the exception to the rule. Sure. For the most part, I, I can still down, re-download things from 10 years ago that I bought on Steam when it first launched. Uh, I know it didn't launch exactly 10 years ago. I'm just... Bear with me, you're See wrong. what it's like? I, See I, what it's I, like? <laughs> that's why you ignore... That's why you're like, let me open it. I'm like, dude, we're going to ignore most of it because it is like, well, you didn't put an S on it. I'm like, shut up. So, uh... There is something to be said about preservation of original game content as it originally shipped. And sure. that's getting tossed out here. For example, the multiplayer is gone now and in the remastered version and no. they're not selling the remastered version on on digital fronts anymore it seems there there's something unsavory about that 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 speaks to the historian inside of me of where course. it's like we need like an actual archive of this stuff. i agree 100 percent with you right and the, i know that there is some movement i want to say there's something in the southwest american there's, southwest there's one over the bridge in oakland a video game oh, okay. history museum I, that's doing that yeah i didn't know that either but we need some kind of digital archive that can preserve these things for the future so at least we can see how it changes over time and when it gets just memory hold like this it gets taken to the ministry of truth and thrown into the little little furnace yeah at the end of the day it really doesn't affect all that many people if anyone at all other than just the pure historical feeling of we just lost something here. Yeah. And like I kind of start off on this right with, does that really matter all that much to the day-to-day lives of people who are playing this game? No, not at all. But there is something important about preserving things in its original state. At the very least going, here is Assassin's Creed 3 circa uh, 19, <laughs> circa 2015. Here it is circa... Sure. 2019 here it is circa 2025 when it's completely gone so i assume you listened to yesterday's episode you probably uh, corrected it, me on it offer on yeah so how did you where do you think it comes down then with what we are doing and i mean we in a very broad youtube let's player whoever ign sense of these games sure aren't available now to go buy you're right you're gonna, it's delisted so i can't buy assassin's creed 3 so if i didn't already own a set and this is just on pc but we're using it as an example let's just live with this ex- example i can't buy assassin's creed 3 anymore i can't play assassin's creed multiplayer unless i have a friend who does it when we look back and we're talking about like circa 2015 circa 2019 does having comprehensive video previews, let's plays, all this different stuff of Assassin's Creed 3 original multiplayer suffice? No. Uh, that is like saying I have a photocopy of a book that came out that has since been changed, but you mm-hmm. want that original mm-hmm. insert whatever here. Uh, and a lot of this is going to be determined on the people who created the game and the people who currently hold the IP to actually get sure. the source code thrown somewhere. One of the uh, greatest tragedies I can think of in video gaming revolves around Homeworld Cataclysm, specifically. Homeworld is a PC game. It's a real-time strategy, so I don't expect you to be too into that. But, and if I recall my story correctly, let me know when you're wrong if I don't, (laughs) the original source code to Homeworld Cataclysm is gone. Okay. That game is completely lost. And it is up to now Gearbox to recreate Cataclysm. And they released it as Emergence because Cataclysm is owned by World of Warcraft now with that name and everything gotcha. like that. Gotcha, gotcha. But the actual original source code for Homeworld Cataclysm no longer exists, mm-hmm. which is why it is important for this stuff to be intact. Because as much as Gearbox might have been truly faithful to re- remaking that game, who knows what could be missing there? There could have been an Easter egg that 
sure. is gone. Like, sure. imagine Adventure, Adventure, the old Atari game that has the first Easter egg I can think of, that guy's developer name. What if Atari never discovered that, and they went, here's Adventure now, and that guy's name's gone? Sure. Great example. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, even more current, like, and granted, what if nobody ever found the room in Arkham Asylum that teased Arkham City, right? right. And then, yeah, exactly what you're saying happens. Somebody rebuilds it, but they don't know that's there. They don't rebuild that part of and it. And mistakes happen. One, oh, to, sure. To go one back line to, of code gets changed. To go back to Gearbox, one line of code apparently screwed up all the AI and the aliens, Colonial Marines, that made all the aliens not function the way they do. One line of code yeah. completely changed that game. Oh, uh, what I was thinking about is The Maid. This is the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment in Oakland. Okay, the Maid is the only all-playable video game museum in the world. We were the first dedicated open to the public video game museum in the United States. Our collection houses more or over uh, 5,300 playable games. The Maid is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the preservation of video game history and to educating the public on how video games are created. The goal is to inspire the next generation of game developers. You can find them at themaid.org. Uh, we've talked to them when they launched it. Good folks. <sighs> Portillo still ignoring me if you're an audio listener. He is still upset. Now, what's awesome is I'm getting a bunch of people saying that I'm right in here. Sure you are. So, well, that, we yeah. don't read those. We don't read those. That's not how you're wrong. <laughs> if, if you want to have that kind of crap in there, you know what you do? You fucking go and you talk in the Twitch chat. That's who wants to hear you there. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, but they're saying, okay, they're, the homework cataclysm stuff. Yeah. That's okay. That's fair. That's an all right. You're right. Number four and final on the Roper Report is... There are no more Heroes news coming at E3. Eddie from GameSpot writes, It looks like there might be some news about no more Heroes at E3 this year. Uh, the developer, Suda51, said in an interview at, oh, that some news about the Travis Touchdown series could be on tap for the big-time gaming show in June. Uh, the ending to the recent No More Heroes spinoff, Travis Strikes Again, very strongly suggested that a new No More Heroes game was in development. Asked by Silicon Era about the ending, Suda replied with a laugh, quote, I wonder what that was myself. It might be Travis messing around. Laughs again. I hope around E3 time, I'll have something cool to announce. There you go. It would be the most pseudo-51 thing ever if he announced absolutely nothing at E3. <laughs> <laughs> On brand. On brand for pseudo, right? Have you all there and then just be like, nah, there's nothing. I got nothing. Or at least do it for, or his people will be at like the Devolver Digital Conference since he seems to be so, so <sighs> friendly with them. Somebody head, heads explode or something, whatever there. Uh, did you play the Travis Strikes Again? Travis no. I absolutely, none of the Travis games I've actually ever played. Yeah. I would played it at PAX. It seemed cool, but then when it came around, I was just you know, heads down on something else on Switch. And didn't Same boat. It's just... Yeah. Uh, I like Suda51. I can appreciate what he does. I appreciate that mind. But he falls in that list of developers who are like, I'll take a look at that game when I have time. Yeah, I respect you, course, but I'm not a devotee. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. of course, means you never have time. Of course, yeah. If it's not right at the top of your list, right? Yeah. You, yeah who's got time for a game's three or four slots now? I'm still excited. I know a lot of people are normal Heroes fans. I can't wait to see if he shows something at E3. But... Capitalist pig, that's so far away. If I needed something more pertinent, more immediate... Like, say, what's in the mom and grop shops today? Where would I go? Why, Greg, you would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Yeah, don't give up on Persona Switch, Barry. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Out today, Rockstar reports this week the Red Dead Online beta adds another new showdown mode up in smoke, along with an ability card boost and several new items are now available in the Wheeler, Rawson, and Co. catalog. Uh, Anger Force Reloaded comes to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. Far Lone Sales comes to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Power Rangers, ba Power Rangers Battle for the Grid comes to PlayStation 
PlayStation 4. Darksiders War Mastered comes to Switch. Sword and Fairy 6 comes to PlayStation 4. Spellkeeper comes to Switch. Dora Cone comes to PC. Serious Sam Tormental comes to PC. Hexapath comes to PC. Jetstream comes to PC and Mac. Brood comes to PC. And then PlayStation Now uh, uh, announced these additions. Uh, Bang Bang Racing from PlayStation 3. Clouds and Sheep 2 from PlayStation 4. Dirt 4 from PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. The Phantom Pain for PlayStation 4. Metal Gear Solid 5. Ground Zeroes for PlayStation 4. Shadow Complex Remastered for PlayStation 4. And then Star Wars Bounty Hunter PlayStation 2. And right. Star Wars Jedi Starfighter on PlayStation 2. Those get you going, Barrett? Bounty Hunter's fucking rad. Tell me about it. I don't know anything about it. Uh, you play as Django Fett. You're a bounty hunter. It's dope. Okay, cool. You sold me. Yeah. Uh, new dates for you. Uh, registration for QuakeCon Year of Doom opens Thursday, April 11th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And then bear with me. The Lost Robots, a new prologue to the successful award-winning Bear With Me series, is set to arrive on PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and Steam July 9th, 2019. Uh, it's time for reader mail. Steven, but first, let me tell you about our sponsors. First, it's 23andMe. With 23andMe's Health and Ancestry Service Kit, you can explore 125-plus personalized genetic reports that may reveal the link between your DNA and your health, traits, and more, including your chances of developing certain diseases. 23andMe recently released their newest health report on type 2 diabetes, which tells you your genetic likelihood for developing the disease and gives you personalized results and tools that could help with prevention. Diabetes is a growing public health challenge. One in three adults in the United States has prediabetes, but 90% of those with prediabetes don't know they have it. Type 2 diabetes is influenced by genetics. It is not just lifestyle and weight. Type 2 diabetes is a condition that typically develops as we get older and is caused by many factors, including diet, lack of proper exercise, weight gain, and our genes. 23andMe's Type 2 Diabetes Report offers insights into your genetic likelihood for developing type 2 diabetes and empowers you with personalized results and tools that may help you prevent the disease. As you all know, I used this very recently to find out my ancestry. Tim used it. We all did it around here. It's one of our favorite things now when we're at parties because you'll talk to people like, hey, you use that, right? Yeah. And you go through the reports I, we were talking about yesterday. I really do appreciate that. Like with this new diabetes stuff, you get a notification of like, hey, there's new results available based on your DNA. So you get to go in there and look around there and see what's coming. So they can't, they they keep emails. updating it yeah. afterwards. Oh, yeah, okay. totally. If you have notifications, it'll totally pop up. Like, we found new people you might be related to, and this, that, and the other, and, like, come get this new uh, report. Well, it sounds like something you might want to sign up for if you have any vested interest in continuing getting knowledge about that. If you living. wanted to sign up, it's easy. Order your 23andMe health and ancestry service kit at 23andme.com slash games. That's the number 23andme.com slash games. Again, that's 23andme.com slash games. Next up, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. Tim used the classes for visual effects to make the hype trailer for Kind of Funny 4.0 and Nick did too for something else, but Tim couldn't remember. Premium membership gives you unlimited access so you can join the classes and communities that are right for you whether you want to fuel your curiosity creativity or even career skillshare is the perfect place to keep you learning and thriving highlights from one of the classes uh, you, we, that tim went to again was all about kind of funny 4.0 getting in there finding those visual offense uh skillshare is also super affordable an annual subscription is less than ten dollars a month join more than seven million creators learning with skillshare the first 500 of my subscribers to use the link in the description of the youtube video will get a two-month free trial come to youtube.com slash kind of funny games click on kfgd for today find the link right there and get going first letter 
comes from RJR on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Good morning, Greg and Capitalist Pig. As a longtime listener of Kind of Funny, I know that both of your tastes lie outside the realm of from software action RPGs. Is that true for you? Oh, absolutely not. No? Oh, oh good. Then I love, love this question. love the Souls games. Notably Dark Souls and Bloodborne. So, yeah, I, I, it says, good morning, Greg and Tim, because you didn't pay attention to me saying you'd be uh, here. Bop, bop. And then whoever else may decide to join. To be fair... If you look at the YouTube page on yesterday's show, it does say Greg and Tim on there for tomorrow's hosts. Pitiful. Oh, what a bunch of who is what a pitiful team. His own what name. a pitiful team I have. Was pitiful me? team who doesn't believe in Switch. That wasn't me though. A pitiful team member who won't come to a world tour meet and greets. <laughs> you won't invite me. I need you to take care of Portola this weekend. <laughs> Uh, anyways, well, so go. Let's go. Let's go. We're talking about this. My question, while it relates to the community surrounding those games, has branches that penetrate out farther than just the immediate communities. With Sekiro released at the most recent of the super difficult games, the dis- discussion point continues to come up surrounding the inclusion of an easy mode for the games. The gaming community is incredibly divisive. The counterpoint is the opposite end of the spectrum. The games that are the that are almost entirely story-based and sometimes unlovingly dubbed walking simulators. Many are heralded as amazing games, but the majority of the community doesn't come out and complain that they are too easy and need to be made more challenging to draw in a wider audience. In light of these two opposing sides, my question is this. In your opinion, do you believe that any game needs to cater to a wide audience? And if it doesn't, is that a bad thing? It seems to be... These issues arise when games look like they appeal to a wider audience on the surface, but require more time, patience, attention than individuals want to give them uh, to be successful at them. Games cover such a wide variety of options, and some games are, are just not for everyone. Dwarf Fortress is one of the best games ever made, but the bar, the barrier to entry is what he means, is incredibly high. Uh, no one complains because people understand that the game isn't for everyone and isn't built for mass appeal. Whether it be Final Fantasy, Smash Brothers, or TurboTax, there is a game for everyone, and I'm curious what your thoughts are overall. Go, Capitalist Pig. Oh, man, Dark Souls I, can, fan. I can go down a rabbit hole on this one. But have I'm you been try playing Sekiro? I have been playing Sekiro, and it has been kicking my ass, and this is going to kind of tie into what my stance on this is. My stance at the end of the day is let a developer build whatever game they want. If they want it to be mind-numbingly difficult like any of the Souls games, Bloodborne, Sekiro, or your fan-based games like I want to be the guy or I want to be the Bashi, or Super Meat Boy, or more than sure. more understandable option, let them design it the way they want to. Now, the ultimately, at the end of the day, I do fall on the not every game is for you argument. 100%. There are hundreds and thousands of games out there for you to enjoy. Now, some people counter that with the whole, well, accessibility is a big thing. I'm not talking about not making a game with controls that you can't rebind or anything like sure. that. So if people have issues where they can't hold a controller. Sure. Yeah, if you're uh, like if you're somebody who's using the adaptive controller or able exactly, gamer or something like, like that amazing game, Xbox controller. Yeah, uh, um Steve Saylor, the blind gamer, right? Like right. we had a conversation about accessibility and like should every game be made that you should be able to see it even though you know it's it's a, you have this problem, how do you do that for a mainstream bubble? We're getting off track. Go. Right. Uh, the, the reason why I want to bring that up though is because I see a lot of people throwing that in people's faces going, "Well, it needs to be accessible for people can." Like being bad at a video game is not a disability. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh just have to understand, some games are hard, some games are easy, some games are hard for some people, some games are easy for some people. Yeah. At the end of the day, the only thing that I care about is did the developer and the people, developers, make the vision that they wanted to? Yeah. And at that point, it's up to each and every individual to go, is this game for me or not? 
to bring it back to my experience of Sekiro. I love Dark Souls. I love Bloodborne. Sekiro is kicking my ass to the point where I don't think I'm actually going to finish it, which would be the first From Software game I haven't finished in since Demon Souls. It's not for me. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, you nail it. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Is that I'm 100% with you that developers should have a vision for their game and make the game they want to make and i don't think they need it's this is such an argument uh there's two different sides of it obviously uh specifically for rj or yeah rjj's question here of uh, like he's talking very much about like trying to appeal to a wider audience i think there's two sides to that there's the consumer side you're seeing right now with securo and then there's the publisher side with it if we're tackling the publisher side of it right this is the ongoing never-ending argument we have where you're talking about business versus art the developer is the artist, the publisher is the business. And that's very reductive and not 100% true. I'm painting with a broad brush, but for this conversation, right? right? Where a publisher wants to put in money to this developer to get as much return on investment as possible. They want as much profit as possible because they're a business and they're publishing the game. And that's why you see, honestly, games like all the Souls games and uh, games like any anything else right division two whatever ubisoft's doing you see people falling into what works for a mass audience and what works for a smaller audience you know remember of course that the story with demon souls was that playstation published that in japan and they would not publish it in america they were yeah, like nobody's and, gonna play uh, this in america atlas did yeah atlas, atlas bring it over yeah atlas before atlas sega did and so like that became a huge hit and again though this is what we talk about all the time in the kind of funny game shows is that was uh, what is the success for Atlas as a publisher is not what is the success for PlayStation as a publisher. Two million copies of Demon's Souls sold uh, is significantly a success for them when you can sell five million copies of Dead Space 3 and have your studio shut Guess down what? That's four, done, or four years right? later. Exactly. You're 100% right. And it's the same thing even with this uh, with Dark Souls then, right? Where it was Namco Bandai, right? Or Bandai Namco picking that up and, and making the, publishing those. Like these are not I'm not saying like small, tiny publishers, but publishers with different uh, decisions on what success is. And so when you're talking about from the publisher side of how are we going to breach the mainstream, these games never will be mainstream because at their essence, it's what we're talking about. In the same way a new Mega Man drops and I look at it and go, man, I wish I just, I wish I jived with Mega Man. I will look at that and I see how much fun it is. When you see somebody who's great at it play it, I'm like, that looks like a lot of fun. But for me, he's too heavy. It's this. I don't like that kind of 8-bit punishing, go back to the start level kind of thing. And so like for the other Souls games, Sekiro I can't speak to. I played 30 minutes of it and I was like, I'm interested. But it was also like parry and I'm like, oof. You understand I just played 103 hours of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and never once parried. Right. <laughs> I just dodged no, around. I'm like, it, I don't. It is different enough to drive a wedge between people who are playing that and, and it's and it, again it's what you said it's not that it's bad it's not that it's wrong it's just not what in that moment thir- the 30 minutes i was playing what i was looking for and maybe it's just a, like the souls games just aren't for me that's yeah. just not what i want out of my gaming experiencing time in the same way i joke around about not liking lord of the rings or fantasy movies right like it's super rare that i'm gonna see a trailer for one of those and be like I'm going to be there day one. I need to be a part of that. Uh, to jump back, though, to now talking about the consumers asking for an easy mode, I think it's something that... I don't, I don't want to say it's blown out of proportion because I'm not, I'm not taking in every message board, every comment, everything. I think, if anything, for a lot of people, when they say that they'd love an easy mode and secure or whatever, I think it's more of a tip of the hat to, hey, we recognize this game's good. We think it's cool. I'd love to see it all the way through, but it's too hard for me or it's not what I'm looking for or whatever. So I'm going to bounce or not play it or whatever. I don't think, and I could be totally wrong. I don't think it's something you're wrong me about. I'd rather have your opinions about it tomorrow. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games, even though it'll be Fran. I have no idea what you're writing in about. <laughs> um, but the idea that 
it's something that'd be cool to have because maybe I'd give it a better chance, but since it doesn't, I won't. And it's what you're saying. In the same way, everybody's open to make their own decisions on what games they want to play. If you love a game that's really hard and grueling and stuff like that, well, guess what? They're still making them for you. They're still there. And I'm sorry that you think, and I'm not throwing RJJ here on the fire. I'm saying that for other people of like, me not wanting to play it, me if I was asking for an easy mode, blah, blah, blah. It's not on me that that game's not for me and that shouldn't be told. Well, th- no, the game's just challenging. You should still buy it because we want more of them. We want to be more successful and da, 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 da. It is like, no, that's why we have these small niches, right? We're, right. That's why we have uh, different genres. Not every game is for every person. That's great. And it, it certainly doesn't help that this particular conversation is somewhat tainted by the overall culture war stuff that's going on. There's definitely some tribalism here where both sides like to needle the other side with it. Yeah. Or or vice versa. Uh, And it's just... You're too too much of a real gamer. (laughs) Yeah. It it exists. Uh, (laughs) But that that kind of taints this conversation which in turn makes people get really heated over it, which makes people start yelling about things like, is a game too hard? Guys, it's a goddamn game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so ridiculous to think back to what it was in the eight bit era yeah. of games that were just impossible to play for me at least, and for other people obviously. And things are. Just... Have you ever played Batman on Nintendo? Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ! Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And like those things existed, and that, for me, I'd play those games, and it would be, you know, granted, if I got it for like a Christmas or something, I, I'm stuck with it. But at a friend's house, I'd play a whole bunch, of, you know, their stuff. And if it was, man, this just isn't for me. I'm glad you enjoy it, right? I bounced on. Maybe I argued if you know Sonic was better than Mario or whatever, but right. like it wasn't sitting there being like well this game should do this and do that and blah blah and there's plenty of games that design i think the fact that a game like celeste which is so hey we have all these crazy fucking challenges you need such dexterity we have all these hidden b-sides and c-sides and strawberries and like this is a fucking game if you want it to be however we're also telling a very touching tale here if you want to go the opposite and turn on easy mode and you want assist mode and you want to slow stuff down we're totally fine for that totally fi- yeah that's that their vision for their game right exactly that is what they wanted that is what they want to put in there knock yourself out I love seeing difficult options to say I'm just here for the story yeah uh, I want to say the Witcher 3 did that maybe and did some uh, probably, I think probably. some kind of diff- difficulty rating in that just says tell me a story sure yes awesome yeah. cool but sometimes I sit down and even let's say it's something I've played two or three times before I don't want to have it on the hardest difficulty. I just want to see the story again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Give mm-hmm. me the easy mode in that case, but I'm not going to demand it. Yeah. And in the same way, I think, you know, talking about that and I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, just somebody who watches and commentates from the outside and all this stuff. I feel like if you were to go in there and put easy mode in there for a souls type game for secure or whatever, I feel like you would lose some of the essence of what makes that special, right? I agree. They, when we talk about these kind of games, and I mean these kind of games, not even the Souls ones, right? Oh, it's like Dark Souls. Oh, it's a Souls-like game. It's this, like, they've made a genre in a lot of ways, right? They've brought they've brought oh, the, absolutely. the grueling 8-bit memorize a boss pattern to the modern-day consoles, and I, I think they found so much success from it. Granted, not, hey, we just put a 10 million copies sold of the new game, but enough that it's like, they keep it's making the lexicon in the way Metroidvania has. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it is a it is a genre that is built around the feeling of accomplishment and anguish. Yeah. Exactly. And it and that's the point of it, right? Where I think so many other games, like the games I love, right, are about cool, like Division. Last night I just ran around and collected dies. Just collected dies for my equipment, right? And I wanted to check off side missions as I went that were still hanging around and little stuff like that. And that for me is satisfaction and accomplishment, right? Right. Whereas these Souls games are 
No, you run your head into that boss over and over yes. and over again until you figure out the right way and you beat him with just a little bit of health left. And I've had those experiences and I enjoy them here and there. I just don't want that right now. Exactly. I'm going to a restaurant and I don't want the burrito. I want the... And if, if that's not for you, then the game's not for you. Exactly. There yeah. are hundreds of other games to play. Video games, everybody. <laughs> oh, where do I want to go with you right now? Capitalist man, we're getting in the car. We're going to drive somewhere. I don't know where. Going over here, and I'm looking at this thing, looking at that thing, looking at this thing. <laughs> you all right there, man? Yeah, it's fine. I have good qu- There's good, no no bad questions ever. You know what I mean? Kebab says one here about Stormland. I'm not feeling it right now. We're talking more about Drive Club. Yeah. I guess we should just probably make our way over to Jason Trier. So instead, I'll do yeah, your definitely. squad up. Uh, squad up, of course, is where you play the video games with the best friends. You're right in to patreon.com slash games with your name, username, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you. Everybody plays games together. Today, Mike needs help on Xbox. His Xbox Live username is Mikey Mang. So it's M-I-K-E-Y-M-A-N-G-7-5. Five seven. I, I don't know why I find that just so Mikey Mang7557 says, What's up, doggy dogs? I'm looking for some people to play Division 2 with. I'm a college kid in Colorado, so thanks to midterms and some more bullet, I just bought the game. Uh, crazy, I know. But since I'm coming in after most everybody else, I don't have any low-level friends to mob around DC with. I'm currently a level 6 and play a few hours on the weeknights and whenever I can on the weekends. Not asking to be power-leveled, but I'm if I'm hanging with some best friends, I won't say no to jumping on a couple levels. Thanks, Greg. No problem, Mikey Mang, 7557. Let me know what you study at, at Colorado. Because I, I don't think it's English degree. Mountaineering. Or journalism. You know what I mean? Are you an engineer? You, you, your, your lack of capitalizations and commas, you're an engineer, aren't you? You're some kind of math guy, aren't you? Ha-ha, Let math. me know. You say ha-ha math? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a required reading for you. You need to make your way to Kotaku.com today and read How BioWare's Anthem Went Wrong by Jason Schreier, friend of the show. It is a comprehensive Oh, article. Yeah. Uh, I pulled the very last paragraph here. It's not a spoiler. The game didn't come out well. Uh, the game that emerged from a six and a half year development cycle was the result of a number of difficult, complicated factors. Ones that won't be quite so easy to fix as Anthem's loot drop rates or loading screens. When the Anthem team started development back in 2012, they hoped to make the Bob Dylan of video games. One that would be referenced and remembered for generations. They might have accomplished that, just not in the way they had hoped. Capitalist Pig, you read this before me. Uh, you got here this morning. Like I'm enthralled. I'm like I got to build the news. Right. I started it and then skimmed a bit. W- give me the reader. Give me the summary. The okay, TLDR. So the the TLDR is Frostbite sucks, and it is a garbage <laughs> engine that EA forces everyone to use because they want to cut licensing costs. Got it. Understandable, but do it with an engine that works. Uh, Anthem was in development for multiple years, but work didn't really begin on it until like. 12 to 18 months before it actually came that out. That was the thing that was, th- there was that right, and there was the disturbing thing of them changing the name like a week before, two weeks before E3. Yeah, it was supposed to be known as Beyond. Beyond! Uh, like a week before E3 2017, according to the idol, a, uh, the article, if I recall, I think it was E3 2017. And then the marketing guys came back and went, Beyond is too hard to, to trademark, you gotta go with a different name. Wow. This is after t-shirts were already printed, marketing for the was audience, in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or for the, it was t-shirts for the development team. To uh, be Bioware's fragmented state where they have like three studios working on it is not helping because from the outside looking in, you have to be able to go, oh, that's the good Bioware team. That, that's the yep. team that made yep, Andromeda. Yep, yep, yep. Apparently, that also permeates the culture in Bioware as well. 
where they are aware that that we're the Edmonton team. We're better than the other people. Not in so many words. The article says sure, that, but, that's but it's definitely how, yeah, that's definitely the feel of it. Yeah, and yeah. that resentment caused issues. Then you had a whole bunch of people going, "I need to take three months off for stress vacation." Yeah, which is something they that's talking about. never been ever in Bioware until uh, Andromeda came out. And it's just, uh, it is a a clusterfuck of problems on the developmental side. And it didn't help that many, many talented developers left Bioware. They talked they about went, how many they lost in that yeah, two-year period right there. They went, this is bad. We're leaving. Yeah. As always, it's fascinating reporting from Jason. You yeah. know what I mean? Who continues just to do stellar, stellar work of getting the real story out there. And yeah, I appreciate the beginning of it. He's talking about people have wondered if it was a Destiny clone, if it was a it was supposed to be and a single player game. They even forced. talk about Destiny from the higher well, from what the article was saying. The higher like, don't mention Destiny. So yeah. how can you if it's going to be a Destiny like game? How can you take what it's, people have learned from Destiny? And Shire was to like, it. it's not it's not any of those things. And you yeah. go through and like the little bit I'd read, and then what you've talked about already, uh, just the mismanagement of it, the fact that it's it feels like the people who are actually making the game doing the work they understood what the problems were whereas the upper you know the you go closer and closer to the top of the pyramid they didn't and that was what was yeah. stopping really things from and happening it certainly didn't help that one of their lead developers uh cory gaspar passed away during of the development of it who knows how how much that screwed things up randy burnett writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says with kotaku's article about bioware this morning do you think by or ea or bioware will try to do anything to make nice or to get out in front of anything else I read the official Bioware response, and it seemed like a deflection more than anything, and they've also been very quiet about Anthem since the last patch. I think Bioware needs a win in their court. I love them as a developer, parentheses, and yes, I did enjoy Andromeda after they fixed it, and parentheses, and I hate the heat they're getting, parentheses, though it isn't unwarranted, and parentheses. I think it would be smart for them to remaster some classics or something while they regroup and figure out the next step personally. What do you guys think? Yes, worth pointing out, uh, Jason's article calls out in the very top, we reached out to EA and Bioware for comment. They didn't give anything. Then he put update at the bottom. The update at the bottom is that over on the Bioware blog, uh, they had put up a thing called Anthem Game Development, which is a response. Uh, it's just th- four paragraphs. Uh, uh, we'd like to take a moment to address an article published this morning about Bioware and Anthem's development. First and foremost, we wholeheartedly stand behind every current and former member of the team. And, blah, and it goes on, and it's not wishy-washy, but it's not like answering what J- Jason said in his res- when he put this at the bottom of his article that they had sent them, not the article, but bullet pointed like this is what's being said about it, and re- they gave them no response and then put this up instead which was a weird move. Uh, Jason Schreier was, I'm basing this solely on a few tweets, did not seem too happy with Bio- what Bioware had to say about his article. Uh, Bioware kind of alludes that, hey, we don't see any value in this tearing down our developers, yeah. which is not what the article's about. The article's about the actually hell helping that they the developers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Jason, it's, I'm sorry, I'm, the article's very long. I'm scrolling to the very bottom really yeah. quick because Jason put it in. in uh, it, it's it's easily. I, I want to say it's like five thousand plus words. It's huge. And it's totally. It's, I'm it's getting massive. back to it once I get all my work done. This it, it took right? me roughly twenty minutes to read through an article, which is, and I read very fast. Not to yeah. Uh, this is so. This is the update Jason put up at eleven thirty on the article, and I'm. It starts with the Bioware part, right? The struggles and challenges of making video games are very real, the post states, but the reward of putting something we created into the hands of our players is amazing. People in this industry put so much passion and energy into making something fun. We don't see the value in tearing down one another or one another's work. We don't believe articles that do that are making our industry and craft better, end quote. To which Shire puts, we believe in asking questions and publishing uh, what we can find out. We hope that in the future, EA and Bioware will see the value in that process. 
So terse. that certainly is a terse. statement that's yeah. going to very clearly calm tensions down. Right, that's it isn't totally going to inflame gonna... anything at all, especially when it's put out like two or three minutes after the article went up, thus highlighting that they didn't even bother to read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, twist. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting thing. PR move. Let's see how it plays out for him. <laughs> Bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> uh, to Randy's question, I think you're yes randy bioware needs a win in their court them yeah. remastering or doing anything is the exact wrong move them fucking batting the hashes and being like all right everybody we're fixing anthem anthem's gonna be you know blah blah you've already seen you know i what i thought was a a, a terrible terror i thought a worse launch than anthem was fallout 76 that is anthem and, is probably counting their lucky stars that fallout 76 was but so it's close. that thing of like 76 even now with the updates it's been get, getting right they're probably saying the same thing thank god anthem came out and i feel like fallout 76 like in terms of the people who are still around and still playing it is bouncing back to an extent as mm-hmm. somebody who still you know reads the reddit every night and sees people in there being like man we've, we're having such a good time i'm happy with the wild appalachia update the hostility like, has definitely tampered down to and part of that of course is that there's always that feeding frenzy of when you're when your blood's in the water everyone's there oh, and fucking yeah. furious and blah blah and then when they move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing then yeah you're left with an audience that does want to support the game does want it to get you know they have a vested interest in it being good uh bioware i think you know and i see their subreddit too their subreddit still is furious oh, and like it's, it's april fool's day was not nice to them no. yesterday you know what i mean of like i they need to get in there and do all that and fix that between this and andromeda they have pissed away every single inch of goodwill that they had in my opinion Uh, a remaster after andromeda of the mass effect trilogy might have worked at this point after going no we're not doing one for multiple years it would come off just as transparent as much as i would loved one sure it's just going to look off as transparent and pandery and the only hope they have at this point is doing dragon age 4 and just nailing it perfectly i think (sighs) that was like the most heartbreaking part of the article for jason right where he's talking to people and they're like Dragon Age 3's success like doomed them in so many ways of like it was a very similar thing for Dragon Age 3 right it was a super crunch everybody's working nonstop. Mm-hmm. blah 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 and again this is all from sources that we should remain anonymous we should put all that out there obviously and like EA's like we don't we don't crunch or admittedly whatever. 19 of them yeah I, I'm, don't get me wrong I believe it I believe the yeah, story I'm just so saying for full transparency sake if you haven't read it but it was the fact of like they want the, apparently at least with the people Jason was talking to they wanted Dragon Age 3 to flop so that Bioware would be forced to ch- and EA would be forced to change the way they make games and when that didn't happen it only fueled anthem being made the same way which now they hope will force ea to change the way they make games honestly and it, all all complaints on anthem side it sold well yeah so uh the hope of they're going to make bioware or well, make ea change the way they make games i i don't know if that's going to hold water here or not. i mean like i i know i always make it too easy i always make it sound too simple uh to randy like bioware needs a win right yeah I think the, oh, the win you do right now is that I would definitely, if I was them, and I'm sure EA or whoever, the PR department or whatever, puts out this blog statement about it, right? I would not have done that. No. no uh, now no. that I had done it, I'm going to stay quiet, and I'm going to keep making updates to the game, blah, blah, but I'm going to build, build, build to the EA access E3 that is in a press conference, and then when we get this, our Anthem hour, two-hour block, or whatever they're going to do to stream the game and talk about the game, I would very much have someone from the development team elevated up. That isn't a Casey Hudson. That isn't anybody else. Be like, hey, everybody, I'm Greg Miller. I don't mean me, but if I worked at Bioware, right? I'm the voice of Anthem from here on out. We made a lot of mistakes, and here's how we're going to fix all of them. You don't like loot drops? Mm -hmm. This is what loot drops is. You didn't... The loading screens, they're getting patched tonight, tomorrow, whatever. And be like, we're... 
we understand that our vision wasn't 100% what we wanted it to be, and it wasn't what you wanted it to be. So we've been quiet. Like, take a page out of fucking No Man's Sky. I was about to be that quiet up, yeah. for a second, and like, even though No Man's Sky was years, but you're a bigger team. You're you're Bioware, you're EA, and get it to a point where you can have a re-debut with it. Because even that's even with Fallout 76, right, where it was. Fall 76 wasn't out there arguing with people in the streets after a while, right? They were like, all right, cool. We're, yep, yep. So yep. The, the bags suck. Sorry, we'll, we'll refund the bags. We'll do this, blah, blah, And it was like, that's gotten them at least a little bit further into the conversation. And drop all the business speak that goes along with it as well. Because it, as far as I can tell, and I could be wrong on this, today, and no one big from Anthem who's on that development has come out and said, hey, we screwed this up. It's been like, well, it's not as strong as we were hoping. And yeah, it had a rougher launch. It's like, no, stop sugarcoating it. Yeah. Just say, yes, there is a problem. Yes, we are working on it. People respond far more to just being upfront and direct to them because at this point we have heard the same excuses of it's not what we were looking for. Yes, it wasn't quite what we showed off there. Just just be honest with people, man. Exactly. And that's the thing is I know we get to be in a very privileged position of being a very small business and all that stuff. But the thing and I, just talking about it and learning from it, I feel like nobody's looking at what the other teams are doing. Right. And seeing how easy it is to, all right, cool. Like, no, we're all in this together and we're going to do it. Like, you know, and I granted, I, I don't know. It's, co- you, it's you corporate have, shareholders. You and have it's three together. major development teams, none of which seem to be necessarily, I don't want to say that they're hostile to each other, but there were certain anim, uh, uh, anonymity. Or, uh, no, no. Animosity. Animosity. Between them. And we're, it, it's, go read Jason Schreier's article. It is. Everybody read it, yeah. Oh, man, is it, it is, it is something. <laughs> ah, okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for You're Wrong. This is where you write in to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong while we're live. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and listening on podcast services around the globe. Uh, Dane O'Bird says we missed uh, that Hellblade has a Switch release date for April 11th. Uh, Kebabs can, confirms Capitalist Pig is correct. Witcher 3 had a difficulty call. Just the story. Nanobiologist says scientists also suck at grammar. I know because I'm a scientist and I suck at grammar. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Zaire is the first to call it. You can play Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Blackout Mode for free until April 30th on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC with two maps. Um... Uh, real quick, I do want to mention this. I, I, I was thinking of bringing this up. But I didn't. Yep. Uh, this BioWeb dev, BioWeb dev. This is from Kind of Funny News Blurb. Former BioWare dev Man, Manveer here regarding Frostbite. He essentially says it is like the shittiest thing he has ever worked on. Yikes. Uh, the shittiest engine I've ever worked on are worked with are 100% on point and it, it, I can't quite read the rest of it. I got yeah, it. Uh, it, it. It's Manveer uh, over on Twitter. Yeah, he, I can't speak to any of famous. Anthem devs. It's, I can't speak to any Anthem's development itself, but all the criticisms of Frostbite, the shittiest engine I've ever worked on with, are 100% on point and serious. My life is so much better on Unreal now where yeah, things, is, you know, work and competent creators are, you know, empowered. This is someone who's not currently with Bioware anymore who can come out and just spit the fire, as it were. Yeah, and he was previously on Mass Effect 3 and Mass Effect Andromeda. The, the underlying pinpoint of that entire call is that Frostbite is just god-awful. Terrible. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday. April 2nd, 2019. Tomorrow, it's going to be Fran and Gary Witta. Thursday, it's going to be me and Andrea. Friday, it's going to be Fran and Andrea. I do believe tomorrow's Fran and Witta is the first ever Fran and Witta Wednesday. I'm not sure how they'll shape up. Gary might beat Fran to death, so you should tune in for that. Uh, Steven, 
As yes. expected, you killed it. Well, thank you, Greg. Uh, thank you for coming in, spending your time with us, but more importantly for the every day, thank you for being so active in kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Of course, that goes to everybody. A nanobiologist, kebabs, everybody who's always in their Zaire. Like, I'm Surprisingly not. kind here. I didn't get too hammered too hard. I got a lot of your uh, rights. Well, I actually. don't know if you know. It's it, the kind of funny best friends. It's not just a word we throw around. They are nice people out there, and it's awesome to see one of you uh, get to come in here, let alone the fact that you finally started pimping yourself. Yeah. Where is it again? What do people? Where do people follow you, stream All with right. you, and do so, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at CapitalistPig21. They're at the Twitters. If you want to follow my Twitch channel, that is TwitchTV slash GamePoints. I do my own horrible ghetto version of, of, of essentially this every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, if you're into a late night crowd, show up there. You can also follow me at YouTube at YouTube.com slash GamePointsPC. And I also occasionally stream randomly throughout the week, usually Tuesday through Thursday, starting around 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I hope to see you all there. And if you don't use our free Twitch or Amazon, on Prime subscription here, feel free to use it there. That was good. That was a good one. Thank you so much for coming in, man. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure, Greg. It won't be your last time. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, it's been our pleasure to serve you.